show that women are capable of achieving incredible things when you put some serious effort in. My name is Victoria Smith. I am your host. I am a stress reduction coach who helps women reduce their stress so that you can live your most vibrant life, whatever that looks like for you. Now today on the podcast, I am so over the moon excited to be joined by local entrepreneur, badass woman, Marlo Browse. Now Marlo is, you probably have heard me talk about my love of bar in recent weeks. So for people that don't know, ballet bar, bar, it's a low impact, high intensity workout. So for, you know, this postpartum mama, I wanted to do something fitness wise uh, right away at that sort of six week mark postpartum to get out of the house, get my sweat on, get, you know, my muscles moving, all that kind of thing. But I didn't want to run. I didn't want it to be, you know, something that could harm me or set me back actually. And so I had heard all about bar. My friends were raving about it. And so I decided to go and I went to mostly the mommy and me classes early on, really enjoyed it. And um, then maybe about, I don't know, six more weeks into it, I attended a class with Marlo, who is the founder of Bar Body Studio. And I swear to God, we talk about it in this episode. It was a spiritual experience for me. Like I nearly started crying, it's so hard to explain, but the way Marlo's classes are set up, like she has, she has a theme, she has a message, she has something that you want to take away from your session beyond your sweat, <laughs> beyond, you know, a tight touch, beyond all of that. And it was such an incredible experience. I was like, I need to know more about this woman. So I did some digging and I found out, holy smokes, she used to be a probation officer. She started this, uh, this business while she was on her maternity leave. So I 100%, you know, could resonate with her. And honestly, getting to know her one on one during this interview was such a true delight. She is such a beautiful soul. This is the perfect episode for anyone who needs more self love. If that's something that you need to develop, this is the episode for you. And who doesn't need to, you know, further develop their self-love. There's very few of us that uh, are in full supply of that. So I highly recommend the episode. She talks about what she's learned about people through being a probation officer or working in probation work and what she's learned about sort of second chances and trying again. She talks about how she started this business. And I was so blown away by her method to starting this business that was very um, cognizant of the risks involved. And, you know, she did this great piloting and testing the idea before she actually went full throttle out into the world. And it, it I really enjoyed hearing from her from um, another strong female entrepreneur about how she did it. So if that's your jam, this episode is perfect for you. And we also talk about what's important in life, right? What, you know, you can have the job, you can have the career, you can have the great family. What is important? You need to be a fully, a full, well-rounded human being. And basically, if you don't love Marlo after this episode, I have no idea what's wrong with you because she's just such a, a fabulous human being. Now, great news. If you are in Calgary and you're listening to this, you can enter to win some Bar Body Studio swag. So Marlo kindly gave us a great hat, which is actually the last one that's available at either of their sites. Um, it's with the Bar Body Studio logo, but it's the black on black. Only one left, as I'm told. And another pair, great, great pair of toe socks. If you're into bar, you understand what toe socks are and how important they are. Guys, it's like $85 worth of swag, so I highly recommend you enter. You can do that by going to the post on Instagram, 
where I'm wearing the hat. So go to at girl tries life. Now to enter, you have to, you know, go to that post, like it, make sure you're following at girl tries life and at bar body studio. And, you know, answer the question there, tag the people that you love, that you'd love to introduce to bar or that you think share your love of bar. Now, so that you're going to the exact right post. I will have linked to it in today's show notes and in whatever show description you're listening to on whatever your platform you're listening to. So make sure you enter to win some great swag. Again, only available in Calgary because you will have to pick up your swag from one of the locations. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So I do want to tell you about a couple of affiliated podcasts. So the first one is Let's Do Coffee, which is created by some students at the Maji Center for New Venture and Student Entrepreneurship up in Edmonton at Nate. Now, they've only got a few episodes out, but they're really great episodes. So if you are, you know, if you are enjoying the entrepreneurial messages and many of the interviews that I do, you will like Let's Do Coffee. So in episode four, they sit down with military veteran and new dad, Cole Rosentreder. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And they actually talk about Cole's ventures in Silicon Valley and his company, Pegasus Imagery, a drone company that's designed to aid in emergency management. So... It's just another example of people that are thinking outside the box in terms of how to use technology for good. Now, I also always tell you about the Alberta Podcast Network. Now, yes, it's a collection of podcasters uh, from all across the province on all kinds of different topics. But do you know what I rarely, if ever, tell you about is that so many of our podcasters and the APN itself have events. So if you actually want to meet some of these podcasters in person, I want you to go to albertapodcastnetwork.com forward slash events. So some of the upcoming events include a session actually that's hosted by the Maji Center to help people out if they're thinking about buying a franchise. Uh, ATB are doing a session on reskilling for the robot revolution. And so you can actually hear from some of Calgary's tech leaders about their personal per- career growth and change. There is the High Level Showdown Live, which is to celebrate the 150th episode of the High Level Showdown, which is a political show. There's the Arts for Action event called What is Black Community, which is a World Cafe style community dialogue, which is centered on that question. There's so many events. I've only just listed a few of them. But again, albertapodcastnetwork.com forward slash events. You know, you can we always love when you listen to us. We always love when you rate and review our podcast, but it's also so amazing to meet your community in person. So if that sounds like your jam, I highly recommend you check it out. Last thing I want to say, and I think it's a really funny one, but a really great one. I was contacted on uh, the Girl Tries Life Facebook page by one of our listeners. Hey, Anna. Um, She gave me some really great feedback, which is So I never listen to this podcast with headphones in because, you know, I record it. I don't really listen to myself back other than in the editing process. And so she had said, hey, Victoria, I love the podcast, but the music at the end is so loud. If you're listening with headphones that like I almost stop listening the last few minutes out because I don't want to like be shocked by the noise. Holy smokes, guys, that is great feedback for me because that's something I don't necessarily know. So if you have feedback for the podcast, if there's certain guests that you're really into, if there's things that you want to explore as topics, let me know. So the best way I would say is to contact me on Facebook at the Girl Tries Life page or on Instagram at Girl Tries Life, or you can email me at girltrieslife at gmail.com. I love to get your feedback, constructive criticism, obviously, if you just want to rant and rave, well, 
I'm not really sure that this is the right podcast for you anyways. But (laughs) I really appreciated the feedback. Anna, I hope that this episode, that the end of it is not too loud for you. I made sure to adjust the music appropriately. And now everyone can benefit from that, especially if you're listening in with headphones. Okay, so without further ado, let's head over to the episode with the epic Marlo Bruss. Well, thank you, Marla, for joining us on the podcast. I'm super pumped to be here in the studio. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Well, and I just saw you two nights ago at one of your classes, so that was fantastic. Your classes are so good. Thank you. I mean, it should be no surprise. I mean, you're the owner of the place, but your classes are amazing. Thank you. I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. So most of, do you call them BBSers? Do you call, what do you call yeah. your tribe or your tribe? Yeah, our yeah. BBS tribe. Yeah. yeah. So I would imagine most of your BBS tribe know you as a motivator, as a great business owner. But uh, I'm going to rewind because I discovered from your LinkedIn that you used to be a probation officer. I did. Yes. It seems like a lifetime ago. I am very passionate about helping people make positive changes in their life. And I've known that about myself from a very young age. So when I went in to become a probation officer, I worked for the government of Alberta for 10 years. I went in with that mindset that I am passionate about helping people make positive changes in their life. And I worked with people in the justice system at a really low point in their life. So for five years, I worked at the domestic violence unit. I had a caseload of about 130 people. It's heavy. It was hard. I was very young, 22 at the time when I started that career. And the last five years, I worked as assistant chief probation officer. And in that role, I was able to work on the justice system as a whole in Calgary. So I had worked with a ton of different players in um, like RCMP, CPS, the judiciary, counseling agencies, the drop-in center. I worked on the 10-year plan to end homelessness. I worked with the gang unit. I worked with domestic violence courtroom. So I worked in in a whole as how do we make the justice system better How do we serve people better to help them not fall into a life of crime or move past it once they found themselves there? So very, very rewarding work. I, you know, I spent a decade there, 10 years, giving my time in that position and those positions. And it's something that I speak of very fondly, but it was tough. Yeah, I can imagine. I often talk about it as taking on people's deep darks and... That that is draining. So needed, so necessary, but draining. That's exactly it. It's definitely needed. And it takes a very unique person to be able to do that job. I worked with tough clients. And I also worked with really strong, strong individuals. Because you need to have a little bit of a shell in order to not let it affect you and impact your daily life. And I found when I started having children that it was star- I was taking it home with me and I was no longer able to, you know, carry that shell because I was softening as a mother. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't want to have that shell on when I came home and I and I had difficulty removing that barrier, you know, building a young family. I I can only imagine. <laughs> I find it difficult on a daily basis with a young family and I don't have a job like that, so I can only imagine. Yeah, I, I, I love that career. I love that career. And yeah. I will, I, I say this, I will absolutely go back and volunteer in that field in some aspect at some point in my life because it's very important work. Yeah. So what you're talking about helping people change through this traumatic phase in their life. What did you learn about that? What do we need to do? How do you support people through that? What I learned about that is 
you cannot force or command or demand or court order anyone to make changes in their life unless they're ready to make those changes. So I would see people in that role because they were court ordered, court mandated. They had to come and see me. If they didn't, there was consequences. Mm -hmm. They had to follow through with counseling. They had to quit drinking. They had, they weren't, some of them weren't allowed to even go back to their home, to return to their family home because of what had gone on. Some of them were willing to make changes, willing to heal, accept, you know, remorseful, willing to take responsibility for those actions. A lot of people weren't at that phase yet. They weren't at that stage yet. So no matter how much time or energy or attention or diligence I spent motivating and and speaking to them through some of these obstacles, unless they were ready to make the change, Mm -hmm. there was no level of, you know, the judiciary, I mean, it's the, the courts, this justice system wasn't even an obstacle for them. Like they, if they weren't ready to make the change, they just, I'm not making the change. Yeah. How, how has that carried over into the work that you do now? Yeah, it's, it's definitely trickled over. People come and see me now because they want to. Yeah. (laughs) People come to fitness because they, it's a fun place to be and they're motivated by themselves to get in their car and drive and book the class and, and be here. However, what I, what the similar thing about it is again, you know, unless you're ready to make a change, you're not showing up and maybe you are showing up and you're, you're you're going through the actions, going through the motions, but are you present? Yeah. There's a fine line between the two. You know, I, I'm here because I want to be here. Same, similar work that I did then, similar work that I do now, much more fun and and motivating and you know music and creativity and choreography and all that that I get to play with now but fundamentally we're all the same mm-hmm. we make changes when we're ready and no one can force us to do that I was in your Ramsey studio a couple of weeks ago and I, I saw you have all these quotes that come up on the tv screen and there was one about I'm not going to remember it word for word but it was along the lines of people don't change until they're sort of ready to own their shit <laughs> Exactly. And it, it sounds like exactly the work you used to do and, and what we live on a daily basis. Exactly. And yeah. you know what? We all make mistakes and we all take steps back no matter what. Like some people, when I worked as a probation officer, the lowest of the low, they've made a ho- horrible state mistake and now they've ended up in front of a judge and they've got a court order and they have some serious conditions that they have to follow. Good people make mistakes. Yeah. Good people have setbacks. And we have the ability to overcome those if and when we're ready to step forward. Yeah. Owning our shit. Yeah. Owning our shit. Has it taught you anything about parenting? Like, or has any of that related to how you raise your kids? I, yes, absolutely. I mean, I choose, how I raise my children is to have real honest conversations with them in a timely manner when they're faced with obstacles, when they're faced with heartache, when they're faced with frustration or uncomfortable situations, I choose to talk them through the decision-making process for themselves versus telling them exactly how it is and how it should be. Mm -hmm. I use storytelling in my classes. I use storytelling with my children. I use examples, you know, try to relate to people on different level. I do the same thing with my children. So it's absolutely taught me how to lead with compassion, 
how to lead with honesty and how we are all the same on so many levels. Even my seven-year-old, my nine-year-old, I see myself in them. Yeah. So when I speak to them, my three-year-old, when I speak to them through the good, the bad, and the in-between, just like when I'm in class, I feel like I'm speaking to myself. And what, do I, what did I need to hear at this stage? Yeah. And what could I hear? What could I absorb at seven? Yeah. Because it's way different at 27. Yeah. I'm not 27. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when did the transition happen of like, I'm going to leave d- probation work? And like, when did the dream, the seed of it start? That is a great question. It started, I taught fitness as a hobby. Well, I worked as a probation officer. It was, you know, my outlet. It was my creativity. It was my, I've always loved fitness. I started teaching ripped classes for Jerry Love. And I taught yoga classes, hot yoga classes. And I taught boot camp classes. And during that time, that was around 2008, 2009, I had my first daughter. And while I was on maternity leave, I wrote my first business plan. And it was to open a yoga studio. Yeah. Yeah. And during that time, 2009, there was a ton of yoga opening up at that time. Yeah. You know, little boutique studios. And I had gone to my financial institution with the business plan and, and said, you know, what do you think of this? Would you support me? Do you think this is a viable business? And they said, yes. They were willing to give me the money that I needed in order to make this dream happen. Yeah. Noticing all these yoga studios popping up, I thought, you know what? Something just doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shelve this. So I shelved it for a couple of years, and while uh, I was on maternity leave with my second daughter, I came across Barb from a friend that lives in Boston. She said, you know, I know you've always wanted to open your own fitness studio, and you're really passionate about it, and have you heard of Bar? Like, it's really big here in Boston, Mm -hmm. and there was nothing in Calgary, and uh, there was two studios in Vancouver, and there wasn't even anything in Toronto yet. And I said, no. So I started researching and what is this and finding out how I could train myself and this method and learn more about it. Because I need to tell you, I'm not a dancer. Uh, Sorry? (laughs) You cannot tell. (laughs) I've never taken a dance class in my life. Okay, well, you're very coordinated. Well, thank you. (laughs) Faking it. Faking it. There you go. Uh, although I should, I do say this, I have such an appreciation for dance and, and the beautiful art that it is. I am not a dancer. The way that I teach bar is from a fitness approach. So I used all the skills that I learned from yoga, from ripped classes, from boot camp classes, trained in Pilates, and kind of melded that all together. So that was in 2012 that I wrote, n- then I changed the business plan mm-hmm. for a bar studio. And I started phoning boutique studio owners in the U.S. and a, f- a few in Vancouver and, you know, asking them for advice and how do I make this happen and what have you learned and what has been your failures, th- all that sort of stuff. And rented a space in a community center mm-hmm. to test the product. So for eight months, I worked out of the West Hillhurst Community Center and I did very little advertising and basically mm-hmm. just taught to anybody that would show up. This is while I was on maternity leave. And get feedback. And so people would show up, get feedback, and I'd, you know, continue working on my business plan. And then decided at one point that I was going to take the leap. That I had enough confidence and felt like I had done enough research. And I had a financial institution that was willing to back me and help me with a loan. That I went for it. Yeah. You know, just like gave my resignation. Yeah. 
left my position, which was you know really hard to do to leave people behind in relationships that I built and a career that I loved that was very rewarding, and uh, and went for it. So we opened the first studio in January 2013. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. And now you're we're in your second studio as we speak. Second Is there going to be a third? You know, I've looked at a ton of different locations in Calgary. Yeah. I am so happy with the balance that I have in my life right yeah. now between being a mother and a business owner and a fitness instructor and a wife and a daughter and yeah. a sister, you know, the balance. Don't mess with a good thing. Don't mess with a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. A lot of new businesses aren't profitable until like the second year. Yeah. Was that pretty much on track for you or did it take longer or less time? That's a great question. When we opened the studio in January 2013, the first day when we opened, we opened with a lineup out the door. And that continued on. That trend continued on. I had to, you know, hire new people and train more instructors because we needed to add more classes to the schedule because this new method of fitness introduced to Calgary. I mean, we're such a fit city. Yeah. People are people <laughs> are so active in yeah. this city and so hungry for fitness, whether it's indoors, outdoors, whatever yeah. it is. We have to survive the long winter. The, exactly. <laughs> in January 2013. Yeah. So we were profitable right away. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was. It and that's, was. that is amazing because of your location as well. Because mm-hmm. I imagine that's an expensive location to have. Yeah. Ramsey I mean, the, yeah. leasing any space in yeah. Calgary, in inner city is not cheap. Yeah. Is not cheap. And so. What's know. interesting about that though is, you know, some people might say, oh, you're profitable right away. Like luck, but you, uh, but you tested the product. Like you're saying like that eight months, like that's a really interesting, um, minimizing your risk by not leasing it, you know, doing a small pilot, basically. That's exactly what it is. There's yeah. no shortcuts to success. There's no shortcuts yeah. in, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. If you take the appropriate steps and spend enough time preparing, consistently preparing for the launch, whatever it is, I have no doubt that it'll be successful. Whether it's year one or year five, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's great. So I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and we kind of talk, we talk about where the idea came from, where it's going, all that kind of stuff. I'm curious, what we don't often talk about is the other people that you need to bring in to make it happen. And not that every entrepreneur is not like a complete genius in their own mind, but like, especially with brick and mortar, like you have to bring in people, you have to bring in consultants. What was their contractors or all that kind of stuff? Who did you have to bring to the table to get your first location launched? Such a great question. So many people, so many people. I, you know, number one, I would definitely, I have to say this is my husband. He has been such a rock for me and been able to bounce questions off of him and, and support me with my business plan and sort of how do I do this? I had no business background. I came from justice uh, system as a probation officer into no business background. So is how he do in I do business? This? He is, uh, he works as an engineer, Okay. but he'd worked in the business unit for the company that he works for. Yeah. And so, you know, just seeing things on a larger scale, mm-hmm. right? Being involved in a larger scale. This is way smaller than the what, capital that he worked with. But um, so definitely him. My family and friends, hugely supportive. My parents, really close friends. I leaned on for financial advice. Um legal advice. And then my best friend, she was a professional dancer. Mm-hmm. So I leaned on her and hired her to help me with the first training manual for instructors. I also hired a chiropractor 
and worked with her to train and review our first training manual mm -hmm. to make sure that the exercises that we were putting together were sound safe and functional and effective. Yeah. And then from there, um, as I mentioned, when I built out my business plan, I phoned so many people, so many other entrepreneurs, small boutique fitness studio owners to gain advice mm -hmm. and seek sort of their feedback. Again, the strengths, the pitfalls, the, you know, what did they, what happened that they didn't expect to happen? How much money did they think that they needed to loan? All those sort of things. So a tremendous, if I was to like put a number to it, and then now, like you mentioned, like all the contractors and broker to find the space yeah. and, 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 so like at least a minimum of like 30 people to, yeah. to, you know, kind of small pieces, put it together yeah. and then let it fly. So when, when people reach out to me as, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and I have a dream and can I pick your brain and I'd like yeah. to run this idea past you and what sort of things did you have to think about all those sort of things I get that quite often and I always give my time back yeah. because of the people that supported and have helped me along the way and still help me along the way yeah. with things that come up so I always 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 give that back yeah. if well, uh, now you're in the next stage of the challenges right like yeah. it's not just the launching it's the diversifying and all that kind of stuff that's fascinating yeah yeah. Now, I have experienced a lot of the BBS instructors, and they're all fabulous, but there's something really special about your class. Thank you. And I say that because my very first class, I nearly cried, <laughs> and it wasn't like I'm crying from sweating so much, and it's really hard because it was really hard, but you bring a spiritual element to your classes. Can you maybe sort of talk to me a bit about why that's important for mm -hmm. you and how you sort of developed that like was that there from the beginning i would say i've been a very i've been a spiritual person from a very young age and by spiritual i don't mean like I, I, yes i attended church um with my family and went to bible camp you know that kind of thing but it was never something that was at the forefront of my relationship with my family mm -hmm. dynamic the spiritual side of teaching came later came over it's really developed over the past couple of years as I've allowed myself to be more authentic with the way that I teach and who I am and I found when I lead people from that space that I have I can connect with them on such a deeper level you mentioned that you were almost in tears near the end of class and that's a common reaction that I hear from people and the way that I put it back is is that it's really just energy in motion mm-hmm so it's an energy release coming through you, something that has has been able to release through the movement of the past hour that we've spent together, which is beautiful. Yeah. Because energy gets stuck for years. Yeah. And years in our body. And we don't even know that it's stuck in there until it starts to bubble and surface and come out in forms. And some people laugh. Yeah. You, like if you look around the room, you might see some people laughing through something really, really hard. And yeah. that's their way of releasing that energy that's come through or tears, yeah. right? Well, and I think in that first class that I attended, you were talking about, um, and, I, and I think you've mentioned this in classes since, like you are here for you. Like this is your time to let the day go and all that kind of stuff. And as a mom of two small kids, I was like, oh man, I need, like you need that time. You need that space. And it was just a, a it was a recognition of what I was experiencing, but being vocalized. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then in a group setting. Yeah. Where you can 
at some points in class feel the heartbeat and the soul of the room yeah. moving together, which is absolutely beautiful. And r recognizing your part that you play in that and you've taken this time for yourself. You're contributing, you're giving back to yourself, and you're letting things go and move through yeah. you. Well, and there's something really powerful about music as well. Like, it's the it's the words you're saying, it's the music, and it's um, the movement. Because uh, I, I know I'm a crier for music. I literally, this is my admission here, went to the Spice Girls reunion tour. Like, however many years that, uh, uh, and the first song comes on, and I start, like, silently crying. And my mom looks at me like I'm insane. Yes, I went with my mom to the Spice Girls reunion concert. But I was like, this was my childhood. <laughs> music has power. <laughs> music is so therapeutic. Yeah. And I talk about it in class, like letting the music in. And that's what that yeah. experience was for you with, yeah. the, with the Spice Girls coming on stage and then bringing back the childhood memories yeah. and how exhilarating it was and the freedom that you felt during that age and that time and that moment. And then, then it hits you the second, yeah. the first beat of their song and their voice comes and it takes you right back to it. It's like, there I am. Yeah. When you talk in your classes about let it build, and I feel like you're talking not just about letting the music build, but letting the energy and the, and it, it just all comes together. It's very... I have to say, and I, this is not me just blowing your trumpet, but like I have tried many workout regimens over the year. This is the one that I am like have been the most consistent with for months. And it is because when I'm coming, I'm not like, oh, yes, I'm burning tons of calories, which yes, <laughs> but I'm like, I leave it on a high. And that is why I keep coming back because I want that high and that great feeling. And that's amazing. That is the biggest compliment because you are creating that for yourself. You are doing, you are feeding that and you are making that happen. Right. And I, and I well say you it, initiate it. So <laughs> <laughs> you lead that happening. Thank so you. yeah. Thank you. Uh, I want to ask a quick question about, um, the heartwarming. Mm -hmm. What is that? Well, like, how do you describe that to people? Where does that come from? Yeah. So we do the heartwarming at the end of class before the stretch and it's to move through and allow to pass whatever might have come up during the class. So we're sitting on hips on heels or cross-legged or some people kneel or some people stand, whatever feels most comfortable for them. And I invite people to turn their palms up to the ceiling and close their eyes and be completely absorbed in whatever they need in that moment. So as I mentioned earlier, things start to surface and bubble and energy starts to move through the body during the class. And when we're in the heartwarming, that's that final piece of recognizing what's come up over the past hour and letting it move through you quietly with your eyes closed. There's no comparison to anyone else. Palms are turned up as a symbol, symbol of giving and receiving. Because mm -hmm. when we give... We have to be able to receive back. It can't go one way. We can't just receive, take, 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 and we can't just give, give, give. It has to go both ways. And as women, we're really good at giving. Mm -hmm. It's the receiving part that can be really difficult for some of us. So that symbolizes the giving and the receiving. And then I'll invite you and ask you to clear whatever's not serving you from your body. And the simple action of opening and closing your arms allows us to move that energy from our space from our body, mentally, physically, emotionally. And then nearing the end of the heartwarming, I'm asking you to put back in. Whatever you need in that moment, you ask for it. Whatever you need during this hour, this month, this week, whatever it is, 
whatever you're going through. Do you need love? Do you need freedom? Do you need acceptance? Do you need forgiveness? Do you need joy? Do you need sunshine? What is it? Just ask. And you start to fill your soul back up with all of those beautiful pieces because mm -hmm. they're available to you at any time. So it's just a reminder. It's just a gentle way to close out the class and remind yourself of how powerful you are. Yeah. Well, and what I find really interesting about those is that your classes are tough, man. But <laughs> I, I finished that like, just before the heartwarming. I always find like, I just want to collapse on my mat. And then doing that, all of a sudden, I have this resurgence of energy, which I'm like, how did that happen? Because <laughs> it's like, I should be exhausted lying on the mat and dying. <laughs> but like, but that's what I'm saying, that leaving on a high. It's like, you it's feeling nuts. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. I had to ask, you were um, saying in class the other night about like, what are the stories that we're telling ourselves and that you've told your souls, you know, we all tell ourselves these stories that hold us back. What story are you telling yourself right now? What are you grappling with? You know, it's been a common thread from a very young age and it's, it's a thread similar to, am I connecting with people? Am I worthy? Do people understand where I'm coming from? Does this make sense? It's, it's that thread of things that have been common theme throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And so I see that show up in different ways and in different lessons and teachings and different relationships. And really, that's what I'm working through continually. Am I enough? And I feel as though at, a, at some level, we all question that at some point in our life. I am nodding <laughs> for the <laughs> listeners. Yeah. At some point in your life. So it, it just shows up in different ways. Yeah. So when I think about my life right now, as a mother, as a business owner, as a fitness instructor, am I showing up on all three of those levels how I want to show up? Am I enough for my children, for my husband, for my family? Am I enough for my participants in my classes? Am I enough as a business owner to my team, to the people around me? Am I volunteering at the in the community and giving back where I should be giving back because that, I love that. It fills me up. Mm -hmm. So when I say am I enough, it's on different levels in different days. Yeah. I, we all struggle so much with that. Are we enough? It's, it's fascinating. Beyond your clients leaving with a tight tush, <laughs> which we do, what is it that you hope your clients leave with every day? Such a great question. In one word, love. Yeah. Self-love. Self-love. And, and when I'm leading people through class and asking you to connect with you, and check in with how you're speaking to yourself and what's going on in the inner dialogue. I'm asking you to love every single piece of who you are during the whole process as you bring some level of awareness to the physical, mental, and emotional walls or barriers that come up during a fitness class because they're all over the place. Yeah. So if I can get you to a place where you feel deeply connected with yourself and self-love comes out the other side because of that connection with I am fully aware of who I am, all my strengths, all my weaknesses, all my power, 
and love comes out the other side, then I leave the studio feeling as though I've done my job. Yeah. Have you learned anything about building resiliency through motivating people? Absolutely. In my previous career, absolutely. And in, in what I do now, what I've learned when I watch people in class. We, so when, in class, if you're not familiar with, with what we do in bar, I lead people to fatigue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yes. sounds so amazing, doesn't it? <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> Let me expand on that. So I lead people... Each sequence that we do in class, we are leading you to fatigue. So getting to that point where you don't feel like you can push any further. And then we stretch and we move on to the next sequence. What I see in people is that they're in absolute fatigue and muscle failure with the right amount of motivation, direction, and opportunity on the other side. They get up and bounce back, like you just mentioned, feeling like you want to lie on the mat, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're up and you're feeling better. I've seen people come back from failure, muscle failure, but then also, you know, in my previous role as a probation officer, from huge mistakes, yeah. from huge, absolutely terrible things, and rebuild and recreate and move forward because they have the will and the desire to make that happen. And they believe in themselves. Yeah. And that's so what I find in your classes. Like I, I've been to boot camps and stuff before where it was like 10 more, just 10 more. You can do anything for 30 seconds. That is not motivating for me. Like I appreciate I can do anything for 30 seconds. But like you're saying, when you come from that self-love and what are you here for and what is it that you need? All of a sudden I find I'm so distracted <laughs> thinking about that, that I'm, my body is taking over and doing the thing. That is exactly where I want to lead you. And when I try to push people through that, I ask them to check in how they're speaking to themselves. Mm -hmm. the, the words that I could give to motivate you through that will never be as powerful as the words that you choose to play in your mind. We spend way more time speaking to ourselves each day than we will ever speak to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so when I ask you to, are the participants in class to bring some level of awareness to how they're talking themselves through a difficult time? Is it positive? Is it negative? How is it serving you? I'm trying to get them to move through to choose the words that will allow them to push forward. Because if I can teach that in the class, in the studio in an hour, the ability to then use that same skill and tool outside of the studio when life gets hard, because it will, because it does, then that just gives them one more thing to empower them to live their best life. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Are there certain habits that you have that you think contribute to your success? Habits, definitely. <laughs> Consistency, number one. Being consistent to your responsibilities, to your to-do list, to whatever needs to get done, to your routine. Yeah. Consistent routine for me. If I have a consistent routine, I feel in control, mm -hmm. which then allows me to feel empowered to empower others. When 
things get crazy because they do with small children, with running a business, with having, with being an adult. And routine is not there. Consistency is not there. The wheels start to fall off. Yeah. So consistency, number one, I would say having good people around you, you know, mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with good people. I mean, as I get older, I, I, the importance of that is so much, so much, so much, so much more stronger. And then not being afraid to try again when you failed mm-hmm. because we, well, I've, you know, failed as a parent. I failed as a business owner. I've had classes where I've left. I'm like, Oh, I missed the mark on that one. Continuing to show up and try because failure is where we learn all of our lessons. Yeah. And it's funny. That's very much why I call this podcast Girl Tries Life because I don't care if you succeed. I don't care if you fail. I care if you try and put in the effort. So amazing. That's exactly it. Yeah. Because all we can do is show up and try. Did you know this necklace that I'm wearing says consistency on it? That is what I am striving for this year. And? Getting there. I mean, each day comes and goes, right? And if yeah. we try to work towards that, yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. I love that. It's I know meant it's very be. funny. <laughs> meant to be, yeah. <laughs> a key, a key. Yep, there you go. A symbol. Yeah, definitely. So I'm gonna move into the five questions that I ask all of our guests, and thank you so much for everything you've shared so far. It's fantastic. What are the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? This could be professional, personal, hobbies, politics, whatever. I, I love, I love teaching. Yeah. I absolutely love teaching right now. I'm teaching six classes a week and, uh, it fills me up with so much joy. And what I love about it is the creation stage. I spend hours choosing the right music for my class, Mm -hmm. choreographing and sequencing how we're going to move through that. And then I work on a different message or a theme. So I put all three of those things together and then I get to share what I created with everyone that I see throughout the week. So I teach the same class for the week. And I get to share my creation for that week. Mm -hmm. And it brings me so much joy to connect with people on all three of those levels, through the message, through the movement, and through the music, because it connects with different people for different reasons. So that brings, I mean, so much joy. Yeah. I mean, if I, if anything, I, I, I will teach forever. Yeah. I get the sense from your Instagram you also love to travel. I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> My husband and I have always, have always. I mean, even when we were students, we've been together since I was 19 years old. Holy. We've yeah. been married for 14 years. And even as students, you know, we would pinch pennies and save our money and travel whenever we could, wherever we could, yeah. and just look for deals and make it happen. And, we, I mean, we went to France for our honeymoon, and we ate pizza and baguettes and $3 bottles of wine because we had no money. It's $3 of French wine, though. Like, French that's wine not is bad. This is true. <laughs> outside <laughs> of the, you know, sitting on the grass outside of the Eiffel Tower. I mean... It was amazing. But, um, yeah, we love to travel. It's yeah. something that we always, you know, we spend a lot of time planning and preparing for. Yeah. Do you travel lots with your kids? or? I love traveling with my kids to yeah. show them the world. And, you you know, when you travel, you're tested. Even if it's somewhere as easy as, like, flying to, you know, Kelowna for the yeah. weekend or whatever. They're, traveling tests you as a person. So, I mean – Showing that to my kids and opening them up to those sort of being tested. Life is not always easy and simple. Yeah. Yeah. I love traveling with kids. 
Um, I don't know if you're a big reader, but what's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years? I am a reader. Are you? I am. My mom has worked at the Calgary Public Library for almost 25 years. Oh, my gosh. Maybe longer, mom. She's retired now, but yep. she she still works there. And she sent me pictures yesterday of the new Calgary Public Library, oh, and absolutely is going to open in November. Yeah, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. So yes, I've been a reader my whole life. I just finished reading a month ago, The Alchemist. I it's it's been on my list forever, and I have a copy. It is such a beautiful read. Okay, it is touched me on so many different levels. I found a different nugget to take away on every single page that I turned. Okay. Uh, beautifully, beautifully written. And um, I won't give away too much, but I'll tell you to go read it. Okay. And it's about your personal legend. Okay. Because I read the blurb on the back and I was like, I don't know, but everyone talked yeah. about this and the blurb has not been appealing yeah. to me, but everyone talked yeah. about it. Yeah. Okay. And it, re- it'll, it relates to everybody on a different you know, and I could yeah. read it next month and it would mean something different to me. Okay. It's that type of a read. Okay. I'm going to go home and read this then. What are your go-to methods for handling stress? I imagine fitness. What else? You got it. Yeah. Uh, I always say a good sweat and a good sleep cures everything. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Trying yeah. to solve problems in the middle of the night, in the dark hours. Yeah. Never works. I mean, you wake up in the morning, you're like, okay. I can see this now. Yeah. Or I can call somebody to get some of it. A good sleep or a good sweat. Yeah. Cure all. Perfect. Yeah. I have found, yeah. Every time I go to one of your classes or any any of the classes here, I just, I sleep better. Feel better. Yep. Yep. I'm sounding like a total fangirl, but there you go. (laughs) What's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Oh, that I've learned, really deeply learned, is that you are the only person that holds the key to your happiness. I have given that key away to numerous people, to numerous, attached it to dreams and goals, truly believed that my joy would come from a source of something outside of myself. Don't get me wrong. Like my children bring me so much joy to my life. My husband, my, you know, teaching fitness. I've just spent, you know, telling you how much I love it. Mm -hmm. I'll never give it up. But ultimately, no matter what comes at me throughout the day, throughout the week, month, year, I am the only one that holds the key to whether or not I choose to process that through a positive mind or a negative mind. And I'm the only one that has the ability to change that in the flip of a switch. Did that take a while to, like, working on meditation and all that kind of stuff, and it's, I I still find, it feels like a muscle you have to build. Absolutely. That just, like, getting yourself out of that mindset. And it took me, it, uh, you know, I've spent since opening, since starting this business six years ago, I've spent a great deal of time in the ups and downs, the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur and the highs and lows of it. Working through this. Yeah. It's definitely a practice. And some days when something hits me or triggers me emotionally, I can start to go down that rabbit hole and I have to stop and pause and pull myself back out of it. 
I can't rely on somebody else to do that for me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm hangry because I didn't eat, I can't rely on somebody else to feed me. I, you know? Yeah. How are we feeding our minds and our bodies? Shows up in our daily life. How we describe our, our life to ourselves. I mean, like I said, we, sp- we spent so much time talking to ourselves. So choosing yeah. the positive voice and affirmations practice absolutely it's practice I was talking to my counselor a couple weeks ago because I'm a huge believer in mental health and counseling and all that jazz and she was talking about neuroplasticity and that when you because for a long time I was like affirmations really I'm a skeptic and all those kinds of things but she was saying when you actually create like that positive self-talk or those affirmations you're actually building your brain that way you're break you're interrupting the pattern and actually making your brain stronger in those areas and I was like okay science I can get behind this and have found that it is working there we go exactly yeah it practice creating a new pathway yeah a new way a new perspective a new way of being a new way of seeing it's amazing yeah so you found that it's exactly what you're doing yeah they work they do on many different levels yep I just like to see the science first um, <laughs> or experience it. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Or experience it. Yeah. So final question, Marlo, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? To live your best life. Self-love. Meaningful relationships. And purposeful work. I love it. Thank That's you so it. much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. 